0: everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. Looking at Mark chapter 8 today, it's really good being in the Gospel of Mark, just really getting an appreciation for this Gospel that says so much in so, uh, so little space, really. I mean, you've got just all these miracles and all these stories being narrated, but underneath it all, there's all this symbolism and that's what we got today in the feeding of the 4,000. Yeah, and you heard that right, the 4,000. We all think of the feeding of the 5,000, but in the 4,000 here is a, a separate feeding with different numbers. Uh, instead of five loaves and two fish, it says there's seven loaves and several little fish. Uh, you know, what's, what's going on here? Is it just kind of the same story basically with two different places or is there more going on? I think we all know, but at this point, there's more going on. Um, And of course, you've got the healing of a a blind man, and you've also got uh, the the confession of Peter. There's so many things going on in Chapter 8, and we're just going to try to unpack it and connect the dots. And joining us today, we've got Pastor Nathan Metter, pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in Plymouth, Wisconsin, Returning. Good morning, brother. Good to to be looking at a chapter of the gospel with you today. I know it's we're in the New Testament, so this that's is, pretty This is like for us. two.
1: This is two months in a row where I've done something yeah. other than a psalm. I'm starting to. I'm starting to have psalm withdrawals. You know. I know. I, kind of, I know. I, I, I'll tell you, with where we're at right now, I would have loved for us to have an emergency switch to Genesis, and talk about the flood account because we've gotten like six inches of rain in the last forty-eight hours and uh, oh wow um i have again. unfortunately i i had the starting I had the makings of a uh had the makings of a uh an indoor pool in my basement last night so uh, oh yikes! It, it's it's been it's been an interesting you know like we went from we went from pandemic to monsoon um you know, uh, so I'm just I'm watching out for locusts and boils and all kinds of other stuff.
0: yeah, 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 Well, I'm sorry to hear about that. I mean, that's, that's just, right. of course, right when it when it rains, it pours, right?
1: <laughs> literally, but, literally, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: literally, yeah. But uh, here we got in in Mark. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not. You know, there's no psalm for deliverance from. From a flood, uh, you know, but there is, you know, you're you're talking about, you know, looking out for different plagues. There is the demand for a sign. And, you know, that is that is interesting that during these times of crisis, during times, uh, you know, when you got these disasters, natural disasters. Right. we're, We're wondering about signs. Right. That's something that comes to mind. Um, and in some ways, we really we're, we really want a sign, I think, from God. And in some ways, maybe we even feel entitled to it. And it's it's really interesting that in the middle of this chapter, um, the Lord's response is just, uh, "No, you don't get one."
1: That's exactly right. No, no, that's not what. You know, again, it, again, it highlights the difference um, between um, understanding and discipleship. Those are those are not. Uh, it, it is not that di- discipleship is of ignorance. Um, right. It, it actually is of knowing on a higher level. So, but it, it's, it's, fascinating, it's fascinating concept.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know, and we'll have to we'll have to really unpack that um, when we I mean, again just a very very short couple of a little verses there, um, but yeah, definitely a lot of stuff to unpack. Uh, but let's go ahead then, without any further ado. Um, and would you open us up with a Sorry. prayer for us and for all everyone listening along, and then, oh well, my goodness, just uh, for, for for you and your family, and for everyone um, up there um, in in Wisconsin who's being aff- affected by the the flooding and all the rain.
1: All right, let's pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, uh, your mercies are new every morning, uh, even in the midst of the things, the, the storms and challenges and chances of life, whether it be uh, an unexpected amount of almost unrelenting rain or this pandemic that we find ourselves in, uh, the, the, the the political machinations, the, the scientific machinations. There's so much going on, Lord that it is very easy for us to lose sight of uh the true sign of your your deep and inviting love for us which is your son our savior Jesus Christ. Um y- you make him uh plain and uh, and you put him before us today. We thank you for the time that we will share today studying studying this this word uh that you have delivered through your servant uh, John Mark uh that uh uh, that will uh, speak to us uh, by Your Holy Spirit. Uh, we pray that we indeed would uh, see this through uh, through Your eyes. Uh, that we would be fed and encouraged and directed uh, to seek not signs, but to seek Jesus, uh, who makes Himself, uh, who who in His mercy makes Himself available to us each and every day through His Word. So to that end, uh, bless us as we study, as we deliberate, as we question and we answer, uh, and and as we walk with you. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, so here we are. We've got uh, we've got not a psalm. <laughs> we've got Mark chapter eight. It's um, we're already like about halfway through. Uh, this, uh, I mean, really, really even like slightly approaching, uh, more than halfway. This is kind of like the turning point in Mark. Um, I mean, before we read it, is there anything to be kind of bearing in mind, given that this is, uh, I mean, this kind of like about halfway point, uh, there does seem to be kind of like a a turn in the, in the shape of things, the sorts of stories that Mark is telling us about. Um, so just before we read the whole chapter, just, um, yeah, something to kind of like help us, uh, kind of hold all these things together.
1: Well, you know, as, as, if we just go with a, a little bit broader context than just Chapter Eight, you, you're you're going to start seeing a contrast. You know, you go, you flip back just one chapter, you, you see a contrast between um, the the in, in seven. You got traditions and commandments. This is this ongoing challenge and struggle that that Jesus will have with the people, and and really this is reflecting more not not so much what uh, what Mark says, but what John says, he came to his own, and his own received him not, uh, because the the conflict in these stories, uh, especially in the Gospel, the, these conflict the conflict in these in these pericopes are with the people who should know better. And and, and what, so right, what so you what- have so so you have the uh, so so you have the, 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 the scribes and the pharisees who are constantly you know they they they're constantly picking at him and yet in interspersed you have these wonderful mm-hmm. stories of faith you have the you you have these you have, you have the, 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 the scribes and the pharisees and then you have the syrophoenician woman who says yeah i understand right. you know you know uh, hey just give me the crumbs i, I don't I, I don't need the main course just give me the crumbs and, and mm-hmm. you know, wow, I've never seen this much faith, and, and and so then it moves forward, and and that sets the stage for 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 where we where we're at here, because again we have this this you know, and, and this is where the numbers get a little different, because as we move mm-hmm. into this chapter, there you're seeing already the the universality of the mission of Jesus not that right. not the whole world's going to be saved but that that salvation is from the Jews not just for the Jews and and as this starts to unfold you know and 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 hence hence you're going to have the you you're going to have some of the differences in this account uh but again we see in this in this portion of uh, and, and and that's really it's really um in Mark's gospel especially the ones who should get it don't, and the ones who 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 have no claim on it, they're the ones who get it. So you have demons identifying him at the end of the at the beginning of the gospel, and you've got a pagan centurion at the end saying, "Surely this was the Son of God." So you have all of the and and, and that those are those are not just bookends. The this is a thread that goes throughout. You have the pay you you have the pagans, you have the Gentiles who know who Jesus is, and they respond accordingly. And you have the ones who are of the covenant who reject him.
0: I think you're right that there is this real—it's a, it's a mixed bag. And I think that that's, that's true in a lot of ways, that you were describing. There's a mixture of reactions. Mm-hmm. We saw that really when we had the parable of the sower and just kind of all the different little parables that were just kind of variations on that. So you you had all those sorts of things that that were that were showing, hey, you know, there's just going to be different reactions to to what this word is going to do. It's not going to be that everyone responds the same way. And so we've seen that we've seen a mixture, as you were describing, of different kinds of people, different kinds of places where the Lord's going. Uh, And now, you know, as you were saying, I think this is something that really it sets it up well as you were saying you've got the woman the syrophoenician woman who's asking just for the crumbs and now there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to get a lot more than that so that's actually a really nice connection as you're looking at chapter eight here uh but yeah so let's go ahead then and read this chapter without any further ado so this is from the top uh and we'll just go kind of like all one one fell swoop here and then we'll kind of circle back and focus on I, i think we'll probably spend most of the time today even on this first episode, um, just because it really is, uh, there's a lot of things going on here, but here it is, starting with the feeding of the 4,000 Mark chapter 8. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have eat nothing to eat. And they set them before the crowd, and they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these should also be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking for him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now, when they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat, and he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, do not even enter the village. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, what do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them, knowing to, tell, them to tell no one about him.
1: Okay, be honest when you read through this chapter and then you looked and found out you were going to get me, did you laugh out loud to know that there is no chance we're going to get anywhere, anywhere near through all of this?
0: <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> you know, it's been like that every time, brother. There's yep. no, I mean, yep. every chapter of Mark, it's just like, you're like, hang on what, you know, cause we break this down normally on Sunday with pericopes, right? And so normally uh, these different readings would be like a month and a half or something. <laughs> so exactly. It's a lot. You know,
1: and be- before we get to, before we, cause, you know, and, and and i think there there is there is something amazing in the structure of what we just read and i want to hit that before we lose it okay so to do you see the uh, and i think it, the the listeners need to see the ebb and flow of this god is doing something first the people mistake it okay and 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 and, and right. you see this, and, and yet the mission still continues. So, so and, and it's the, the whole the. So let's just let's just do this from 30, 35,000 feet first. So you get there, right. you get Jesus, and he has that this that wonderful compassion. You know this this uh, that I know President Harrison has made miles out of that word my You know the visceral the, <laughs> feeling. That, that visceral feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach when you you know you, you know when you when you sit there, this is not just oh that's really too bad. No, this is something that 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 affects him personally. Okay, right. it affects him deeply. He feels it, not not in the emotion you know not simply in the emotion way that we do it, but he feels it deeply. And what does he do? He provides the you know he provides the solution. So we've got the mercy of God on display. All right, So he's just done the sign, and what do the Pharisees do? They demand a sign. What are you talking about? I just did yeah. a sign. Okay, so you so you've got this. Right. Juxt- so, so you've got God's God, God's compassion, God's movement, and you've got man's ignorance. And then and then you see and then you go to then you go to the 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 leaven exchange, and, and this is within the this is even within the, this is not just a problem with those outside the circle and inside the circle. I mean, of course, the Pharisees aren't going to get it because they don't understand Jesus to begin with. But now the very people who've been walking with him and talking with him—they've seen all the miracles. They're clueless too. They're clueless too, and, and, and which then leads you to then, then leads you to the, the 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 interesting two-step miracle with the man of mm-hmm. Bethesda. He sees, but he doesn't see clearly until after a second encounter of a miracle. This is already right. setting up. This is already setting up. So he lays them out. The deci- what do the, the disciples see? They see the answer to the $64,000 question that all of us are called to answer. Who do the people say that I am? And we got mm-hmm. all kinds of answers. Peter gets it right. He sees, but he's, these are the trees. He, he, you're the Christ. Great. But... Here's what it means. Here's what it means. It means the it means Messiah is gonna have to die and rise. And unless you see this, you're gonna miss out on it too. And and, and you so so even this he Peter and the disciples see, but they don't see the they don't see it fully, and they won't see it fully until we get to Pentecost. They won't see it well, fully until we get to Pentecost.
0: That's right. That, that's right. That's right. Well, and, and they'll get a little preview of that. And 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 really, it's it's kind of weird to stop where we did. I mean, it's the end of chapter eight, but you get, um, you know, the ESV. And um, I I think it, it, there's a lot of sense in including it in the same paragraph where it goes on to say, and he said to them, truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it's come with power. And, and the very next thing you get is sure. this. I mean the account of the transfiguration, which, which to your point, right, is 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 a sneak preview of what is going to look like when our Lord ascends. You know, and of course we've got ascension uh, this Thursday. I can hardly believe that it. it's already upon us. Uh, ascension and, and Pentecost. Um, it's been a weird couple of months, but uh, yeah. but, but right. So, so so you, I think I think that's really you, you see that pattern again and again. It's helpful to see it that way. That. You know, so it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, the Lord performs this, this feeding of the 5,000, turns the disciples, you know, can you, can, can you hear me now? No. He, then he does the feeding of the 4,000. Oh, okay, good. Um, can you, and then he heals the, the blind man? Can, can you hear me now? And then he heals him again. Oh, okay, good. So there there is this, this, uh, like you were saying, this double encounter thing because the, the first go round is insufficient for a full understanding. You have to come back. And, and I think that you know, like you were saying, for us to kind of get that at 35,000 feet, uh, there, there's something that we're supposed to be taking from that. Mark has laid this out for us deliberately. That we we kind of think to ourselves very often, like, oh well, you know, if only I had you know been following them around and actually seen the miracles for myself, or uh, you know, like, oh well, you know, if, what I really need is a miracle or some kind of sign and and, and the thing is, I think what Mark is kind of getting to us in some ways is, you know what, like, it's not like they understood everything then when they were following them around. In fact, everything was just like you were saying, like, was just the trees. There, there's something about hanging on um, and being able to stick around long enough for that second encounter to bring that, that clarity that, that comes through the words. So I, I think that's a, a pattern that that we get for ourselves as well.
1: Absolutely, and then I think we could even go one step farther. And, and and oh, here we go. I'm going to agree with Luther. You know, why do we need to hear? Yeah. Why do we need multiple encounters with the gospel? Why do we need to be reminded of the gospel? Because we forget it so easily. You know, and 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 we are, you know, we are still this side of eternity. So we will always be seeing dimly. It's only right. we. It's only when we're regularly encountering Jesus that we begin to see. Um, that, that we begin to see things his way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go. Let's go ahead and get into the specifics here, since we're already the break is nearly upon us here. So we, we have, first of all, this, this second feeding, um, and and it's interesting because so much of it is just exactly the same. Um, the language uh, and many commentators have pointed this out. Um, I mean, just in the way that Mark narrates these two events, I mean, he uses almost the same words, Um, and in fact, many places, he does use the same words. Um, The the other thing, um, and I think we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the feeding of the 5,000, you kind of have to, especially as a pastor, stop yourself as you're reading this (laughs) and just be careful, because when it says, and he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciple," you're just like about to start chanting the words of institution, um, Mm -hmm. because it's actually the same words there too. So you you get like, you you just, you can't help but read this and see, oh my gosh, there's so many similarities to the the institution of the Lord's Supper, the feeding of the 5,000. And yet the details seem to be very purposefully different. It's not even just because we're going to, we're going to get that, um, you know, later that in this later on the chapter, we, we read it here. It's, he has this encounter, like you were saying. It's not just that the Pharisees don't get him, the disciples aren't getting this. And he asks them about it pointedly, right? When I broke the five for the 5,000, how many? Twelve. When I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many? Seven. Don't you get it? Like there's supposed to be something that these numbers mean. So this is the riddle for the break. <laughs> and then we'll come back and we'll get your take on it here, brother. But everybody hang on. We're looking at Mark chapter eight here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. <laughs>
1: LCMS Disaster Response and Training provides guidance and counsel to congregations seeking to show mercy to their neighbors before, during, and after disasters. From congregation preparedness to equipping volunteers in our Lutheran Early Response Team training, we can help you engage your community, particularly those who are suffering in any way, with the love of Christ. For more information, you can follow us on Facebook, keyword LCMS Disaster Response, or visit our website at lcms.org forward slash disaster. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on kfuo.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Touching the lives and the hearts of our listeners with the Word of Christ. Sharper iron is such an incredible, amazing gift. I thank you so much for what it's doing for me and what I know it must be doing for a lot of other people. God bless.
0: To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere, worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. Um Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Mark chapter 8, and uh, as our guest, Pastor Nathan Metter, Pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in Plymouth, Wisconsin, was just saying, uh, yeah, it, it feels kind of crazy to think that you're going to get through Mark chapter 8 in one go. There is so much going on, uh, but yet we press on. Um, th- I do think, though, uh, if you do have a question or a comment, don't don't feel shy if you are listening live, give us a call, 1-800-730-2727. If you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Uh, might actually be helpful to get a question or two just to kind of—there there are just so many details here. Uh, also, you can send an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. I uh, also want to make sure to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support of thy strong word, lhfmissions.org. So, yeah, we just went into the break kind of with this question of, okay, so what what's going on here? There's so many similarities with what we've been talking about here, but the, the details, these numbers in particular, um, but there are a couple other things we should talk about, too, that seems so deliberately different. Okay, so so what, what what's the difference? What's the significance, um, especially with these numbers and maybe with some of the other details here?
1: Okay. Well, you know, what? what you're, you know, again, this is one of the dangers when we start pulling this apart and we're reading 2,000 years after the fact. Um, <laughs> some, some of it has to do with settings. Some of it, yeah. you know, I think the first thing we have to understand is settings. You know, what it, when, when he looks at, you know, when in, in the 5,000, he's looking mm-hmm. primarily at Israelites. He's mm-hmm. looking primarily at Israelites. Sheep without a shepherd. He's using David language. OK, yeah, He's using yeah. David language here, he it's a crowd, you know, and in mm-hmm. the Gospels, when you hear crowd, this is a this is a mixed crowd. This is not right. going to be this is not going to be uh, th- this is not like the crowd that that's going to be at the temple yelling crucify him. OK, um, th- this is a mixed crowd. Again, there will likely be Gentiles in this crowd. Because right. if you, if you just go back to the end of if you if you go back to the end of chapter seven, uh, because there 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 is really no time marker, you know per se, at the very end right. of chapter seven, you've got him in Tyre and Sidon, which is way north, yeah, you know, which, which is way north, where, where, where you're beginning, you're no longer. I mean, it's already. You know, uh, my Wisconsin friends will understand that Galilee is kind of like the UP. That's the up north folks. You know, <laughs> uh, and, and that's the up north folks of the Jews, uh, because uh, but then you get farther north than that, and you are into Gentile territory. And so, yeah. so what happens? So he get, so he gets there, and he looks at this mixed crowd exactly the same way he looks at Israel. Now he uses different language but but, but he, he you know, he has that splagidzomai, you know so it's, but 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 he sees them, you know, he, he, he is he is moved by this mixed crowd just like he was moved by that massive crowd of Israelites okay and and the num the, the number difference is significant in that because when he when he does the israelites he does 12 baskets 12 baskets right is it? 12 tribes okay yep. when he does these gentiles he does seven baskets this is where you flip back to the to you, you flip back to um, you, you flip back to the Old Testament, and you start talking about the seven nations that surrounded the the, the people of Israel. You know, the people that they drove out: the Canaanites, the Ammonites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Girgashites, the Perizzites, as I you know, the Termites. I don't know, whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> but, but these are these are people who were to be driven out of the land, but weren't. Right. Okay? But now he has compassion on them. So, so this is already this is already yeah. again his idea. You know, he has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Not just guys like Zacchaeus who were sons of Abraham, but the whole world. Uh,
0: that, that's right. I think I think you do have to connect. There are these differences in setting that seem to correspond with these details and with these numbers. And if you don't make the connection. I, I don't think there's like any hope of being able to interpret it the right way, which makes it very challenging because, of course, we're, we're looking at, you know, like you're, you're kind of joking around about the names of the different um, Gentile groups, right? I mean, even even in Mark, you're, you're just, you know, you got Dalman right? Or uh, earlier in Chapter 5, there was the guy who was hanging out in the, the tombs, right? Well, now, where was he from? Was he from the the Gadarenes, the Garazines, the I mean, there's one other one that's I mean, like, so this is the problem, you know, we're, we we actually have a very hard time just, you know, as we were saying, 2000 years later, trying to figure out what the setting even exactly was um, right. to, to make that connection. So there, there's some details that we're going to want to get into. But before we go too much further down that one, um, we had on the phone here a question here from James, if we if we still have your brother. Uh, You have a question for us here or a comment here on Mark chapter
1: 8? Yes, I do. I'd like to elaborate on uh, or direct some of the questions that I sent you by email. I'd like for our uh, our guest pastor to answer um, the first question, and that is, is spiritual ignorance spiritual innocence? And can that spiritual and can the spiritually ignorant be saved as innocent? Mm. And for the moderator, I'd like to ask you uh, to define rhetoric. And is Jesus being rhetorical when he asks, you know, the questions like, why does this generation seek after a sign? Mm-hmm. And I'll hang up and listen.
0: Both and, really good and questions. Thank you James. Thank you. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks thanks for your questions, brother. All right. Uh all right Nathan, so you get the the first uh first go at his first question there. So <laughs> uh yeah, so, so
1: uh, sp- spiritual, spiritual ignorance, ignorance and spiritual innocence. innocence. Well, yeah. You know, you know, spiritual this is this is where, you know, we we go back. I think it's important that we go back to the Decalogue at this point. You know, right. uh, it is possible for you to be spiritually ignorant, but that, that does not mitigate, it, it does not mitigate uh, uh, your, your spiritual condition. Um, right. Spiritual ignorance, you know, because here's what happens. What, what is, you know, the reason we go back to Exodus chapter, t- <clears throat> excuse me, the reason we go back to Exodus chapter 20 is what, is, what does it say? You know, I, the Lord, you know, it, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. Okay, all right, and and then immediately after that he says, "Why? Because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." So, so what what's happening is the ignorance is passed humanly, okay? Uh, The ignorance is passed, but there is no innocence because we're all under the we're all under the curse of the law because we reproduce yeah. after our, we reproduce after our own kind all right now right. Um, the, the the best part about that is though ignorance can be cured It is, you know, ignorance, you know, uh, as you know, growing up in the St. Louis area, uh, I remember as a kid, uh, as a kid listening, you know, late at night to Jim White on KMOX. Sorry, guys, I shouldn't mention another radio station on KFU, but (laughs) listening to to overnights because by that time KFU was off the air because it was dark. But, you know, he, he, one of his, one of his favorite taglines is you can't fix stupid. You know, stupid is a choice. You know, ignorance is inherited, but it can be fixed. Stupid's a choice, and 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 you know this is really and and in a way you can see that happening here. You see ignorance being fixed in the way that Brian. Jesus is in the way that Jesus is encountering the the twelve. You know. All right, guys. You know you're ignorant of the fact of who I really am because you're thinking right. when I tell you you got no bread, I'm, I'm, you know, that that I'm mad at you because you didn't stop at the convenience store and get a, water, uh, a bag of Wonder Bread before we got on the boat, okay? Um, you know, but he says, but what he does is he takes the, and he points them back to himself. What did I do when I fed the five thousand? What did I do? Twelve left over. Mm-hmm. When I feed the four thousand, what did right. I do? Uh, seven left over you know he is sufficient um but then you know contrasting that you've got the pharisees and then eventually you've got peter at the end you know in 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 their own ignorance but even then you know even then he calls him to repentance you know and and right. so we've got this constant this this ignorance is overcome by jesus but you know, but it's necessary because they're they they are they are starving they are lost because they're seeking after the wrong things they mm-hmm. are blind until Jesus acts on them and and yet he continues to make himself known as the Christ. I think
0: that's I think that's right on that uh, I, I, I think that's really helpful because you're right that we uh, in our context, try to distinguish between ignorance and, and innocence. Um, and, and I think that we kind of, in fact, define ignorance as a kind of innocence sometimes. Right. Uh, especially if someone kind of commits one of these cultural faux pas says something that's uh, not, not uh, correct anymore. Right. In terms of our sensibilities, if you, if you come out and you say, well, I was ignorant. Right. I feel like that that kind of gives you some cover, um, if, if if at least if it comes off as plausible, and it's like okay, well you're admitting that you were just ignorant and you you didn't really you didn't really know what you were you were saying, right? Um, it wasn't it wasn't you know uh, some kind of phobia, it was just ignorance, and, and you've evolved since then, right? That that's kind of like the way that we want to look at things, but I think you're right that the scriptural perspective, at least the way it's talking about. Ignorance—it's a kind of willful ignorance in a way, um, and I think this is what you get at, like you were saying in the text that we have, how y- it's not simply that, well, the Pharisees are, are blind, right? Their their hearts are hardened, dead set against getting Jesus. It's not simply that Peter's, you know, just oh well, he he he's, you need to be patient with him, right? Because he just kind of needs more time to adapt his learning style. Uh, no, I mean, he, he's not aligned with God. He's aligned with the things in the flesh. And I think this is what Paul gets at in Romans um, when he says, you know, uh, the, the problem is, and this is like around verse 18, it says uh, that the, the unrighteousness of the, uh, particularly the, de- the Gentiles, it says, suppresses the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because God's shown it to them yet there's this idea that we actually because of our sin that's what makes us ignorant. So I think you're spot on that uh, the way that the way that the scriptures are talking about ignorance here it's not something that gets you off the hook. In fact it's something that that proves how our hearts are far from God and how we've willfully cho- uh, chosen this ignorance, you know, because we kind of in our own sinfulness say, well ignorance is bliss and I'd rather just ignore the things of God. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a really thorough um, answer to James's first question there. And uh, to briefly get the second question, which is super tempting to me with my linguistics background, uh, talking about rhetoric and pragmatics, and I could go on all day. Um, Eventually, uh, you'll get to just read all day if you want to look at the dissertation, which will, Lord willing, be all about uh, rhetoric and pragmatics. Uh, But yeah, so talking about rhetoric in this sense, a narrow sense here, uh, rhetoric is kind of a part of human language in the sense of no matter what you say, there's always a reason why you're saying it. No one just talks just to uh, hear the the sound of their voice. Well, I mean, I think we all suspect that some people do that a little bit. I was going to say thanks. <laughs> uh, thanks for letting me off
1: the hook there, brother.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know, right? But 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 you you know, basically, when we're communicating in human language, there's always some kind of purpose, right? And and so I think that the idea behind rhetoric is whatever you're saying, there's some kind of purpose. And and typically, when you ask a question, it's because you want someone to answer, right? Typically, when you uh, give some kind of informative statement. It's because you think that the person doesn't know that thing and you're trying to fill in the blanks for them, right? Um, when you give them an imperative, right, some kind of command, it's because you want them to do the thing. There's there's always some reason that you have. And so uh, the, the, the kind of short answer is the Lord Jesus always has a reason. There's always some kind of rhetoric or pragmatics behind what he's saying. It's just what is it? So uh, when he says, you know, why does this generation seek a sign? That is an example of what is, you know, widely called a rhetorical question. Now, as I was saying, you know, technically speaking, all questions are rhetorical. They all have reasons <laughs> behind them. But um, but yeah, he, he's not like asking for an answer. Um, it, it's it's rhetorical in the sense of he's just saying, guys, it doesn't make any sense for you to keep asking because it's not going to happen. And, and so it, it's a way of very emphatically saying the, the sign that you're looking for is not going to happen. Um, and in fact, I would I would say it's basically not going to happen for about 40 years. Um, and then when he says, you know, truly, I say to you another thing of like emphasis of just certainty, it's not going to happen until the next generation. And and I think that that's what you're getting here. And in fact, you, you've got kind of a similar thing at the end of the at the end of the chapter, this whole, you know, uh, you will some some here, right, are are, are going to see this. Um, you know, before they die. I, I think that there is, as you were saying, brother, there's a, a fulfillment in the, uh, the Ascension and in Pentecost. There's a small uh, fulfillment for just James, Peter, and John in the Transfiguration. But there is a general fulfillment um, in the destruction of the temple when God is going to just very clearly for all to see um, give a very powerful sign that says, all right, this is what's going on. And, and I think... That maybe kind of brings us back to uh, this interpretation here of the first miracle, because the destruction of the temple, this moment of us really in a very powerful way being confronted with the question of, okay, who counts as God's people? Is it just the, the people who are natural born Hebrews, right? The only ones who are actually allowed into the temple because the Gentiles have to go way outside in the outer courtyard, right? Is, is it just this, this particular group, you got to trace your ancestry back to one of these 12 tribes or is God's people actually now a mixed group, just like you were saying. So, I mean, I, I think that's, that's right on. This is what this, this uh, miracle is getting at, but really in so much what the whole chapter is getting at. And in fact, really the whole gospel of mark in some
1: ways right right absolutely you know so so you see and and you know when you start talking about the uh the, the, you know the the flow the the um the rhetorical you know so so he take he takes the the question for the demand for the sign and and, and he realizes that in a way their request is plausible it it's logical because you know you're dealing, you know there is this desire to want to know, but but what he, you know, what, what Jesus makes it very clear when he when he takes when he, when he takes them into the you know, the questions about the bread, you know the leaven, you know it's mm-hmm. knowing me is knowing me is not simply a matter of facts and figures. Knowing me is so much more, you know. And in fact, it is you know it, it, this is where this is where it becomes a, a text about faith. You know, it, it's not about knowledge. See, you know, because it's one of those things. That which we understand, we've domesticated. It becomes under our control. Okay, mm-hmm. and and therefore, he's not the God that we fear, love, and trust in above all things, because now I can understand him and and, right. and 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 we see that play out you know and we see the leaven that affects peter in the exchange around the, the great question are you the, you know who do the people say that i am and and so so you know it's not you know he he's come to this conclusion by what he's seen because it's starting to look a little bit like isaiah you know, because he he's he's started to exhibit the messianic things. You know, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame run, and oh yeah, the dead have been raised. Okay, so he's he's sure looking an awful lot like it. But when he talks, he says crazy things like he's got to die and whoa 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 whoa. You know, mm-hmm. and that's the that that's the logic of sinful humans, not the. Theologic of the one who understands that 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 in order for me to save you, I have to die, and in order that's for you right. For me, you have to die.
0: That's right. There, there's something paradoxical and mysterious about the whole thing, and I think that that's that's why Mark found it to be really important to include these miracles, which even seem you know almost identical, right? but the the details are just different enough that they are in that way kind of getting at something which was mysterious which which wasn't entirely logical to them at the time, right, but was was pressing them towards something and uh, you offered brother um, an interesting interpretation there that you know could it be that that twelve represents uh, the twelve tribes of of Israel and seven represents uh, the Gentiles, and I think um was that like a a text or like a list in Joshua where you have like seven uh groups that were that yeah. were named
1: yeah the, the seven nations in Joshua three yeah you know, okay, he, okay. He, he yeah, got, yeah 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 you got the seven nations in Joshua three, and these are the ones that that they were these are the ones that they were supposed to drive out
0: and, right, and, right. Um,
1: and 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 we know that while they while they defeated many of them, they didn't drive them out. They didn't devote them all to destruction, and, and and this this became so so again what you what you see is is Israel failed to do what God set them out and they became a thorn in the flesh to them, but even that thorn in the flesh is redeemed in what Jesus has come to do.
0: And I think that that's a that's an interpretation that I think a lot of people have spotted, and and in fact I think it's one that I. I agree with at least at least partially because I think that we've seen this again a few times. That there's all these details that are very deliberate about pointing out the kind of Gentile-ish setting here, and even with some of the uh, the very slight things, um, you know, like Veltz uh, points this out in his commentary. It uh, makes a lot of hay out of it that the uh, the, ba- the word for baskets here is even a slightly different word for basket. Uh, the one in chapter, what was it? The chapter five um, or chapter six rather was a distinctively very Hebrew word for baskets that were that were used in, in particular um, in connection with kind of just traditional Hebrew culture. And these are these are different um, sorts of a different word for basket at least it may have been the same basket in the end, but um, different uh, different words in any case. So even just little details like that, there seem to be, as you were saying, um, kind of pointing to a different mixture of people. And um, the, the way that the way that I get at this is actually there's a there's a story that the Lord tells an analogy that he gives. Um, he, we already actually we've already read it in Mark, um, which is about the episode of David asking for the bread of presents. Um, you know, we got loaves there. And what's really interesting, this is this is recorded in First Samuel. Uh, David is there with his men, um, a.k.a. his army. Um, he's on the run and he's got nothing to eat, nothing to feed his people. And so, what's he do? Well, this is scandalous, right? But he goes to the to the high priest and says, "Hey, what do you got?" And he's like, "I don't have any food. All I have is the holy bread that we put the God, the holy uh, bread of presence here in the temple. Um, you know, but I, I couldn't give you that." And David's like, "Well, sure, you could. <laughs> uh, you could you could give me five loaves of that, right?" Um, and, he, and he goes ahead and he says, oh, OK, I mean, like, you know, have your men been keeping themselves holy? OK, well, OK, well, OK, sure. Um, and he gives them the five loaves. And with those five loaves, David feeds his army. Very fascinating that you got then in chapter six of Mark. Wh- what do you get? You have five loaves that go and they're fed um, by the new David, the heir of David, the son of David, um, to feed his army. And I think that's actually the significance of referring to them as 5000 men it's the idea is that we're kind of thinking them, thinking about them as um, like David's David's comrades, and so in some ways this is this is the new King David. And we talked about how that story followed Herod. So okay, so if that's the five, well then how many loaves of presents were there total? Twelve. Twelve minus five, we're left with seven. So it seems to me that this mixed group now is getting the other seven loaves as in a way of speaking here, Um, which is, which is really fascinating because there's actually this old tradition that says that you only would eat this bread of presence um, on the Sabbath um, one week later after you set it out and the, the the priests who were outgoing, who had served last week, they would eat the five loaves. And then the new priests who were coming in to serve the following week, they would eat then the seven and that's just a really, really interesting thought here that before mm-hmm. the homogenous group of just Israelites, just Hebrews, right? They eat the five, they're outgoing. And now this mixed group that's both Hebrews and Gentiles. Cause I think you're, I think you're right. Yeah. You look at chapter seven. You've got clearly Gentiles, like the Seraphonician woman, right. but you've also got Hebrews. Cause he's speaking, right. you know, he's, he's, does he say? He's an Ephesus. Um, that, that's a, that's Aramaic. So right. in this Decapolis region, he's got both. And so, what's coming in is the church, this this mixed group, and I think that's the that's the paradox here, that the Pharisees are like, "Whoa, hang on, you're mixing mixing things up here. You're mixing with the Gentiles, right? That's 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 like leaven, right? Um, right?" But he turns it around on them and says, "No, no, wait, uh, they're the leaven here, guys. You keep yourselves pure by sticking with the pure gospel, which is for all." So I I, I think that's the way. That yep. the, the, the numbers end up connecting with the rest of the chapter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you know, and and again, you know, it, it again it, it it shows that in the mind of, of 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 our Lord, this has always been a rescue mission for all creation, not just not just Israel. Again, freedom, you know, salvation comes from Israel, not for Israel. If, if you, in, in that little well,
0: distinction. And, and that's well said, right? Like it's, uh, yeah, like the, the the from, not for, right? I mean, it resembles what our Lord said about the Sabbath, right? That man was not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath rather for man. And think about it. When did you eat this bread of presence? On the Sabbath. Sabbath. So, what is the Lord Jesus doing if he's going and feeding the bread of presence to the these crowds? He's saying that this is the Sabbath, he's saying that this is, in fact, the ultimate sabbath i mean this is, this is a sabbath rest moment here and, and that's that is i think something that's huge because now we're saying here right um you know th- this is uh in some ways you know so like with the blind man like all the sabbaths till now have been shadows right have been right. kind of letting you see the trees of this real sabbath that jesus is bringing right um this is the new sabbath where you know you thought that you were going to have rest and restoration but now through his dying and rising the real Sabbath is coming, and, and I think this is this is huge, and this connects it to what we saw earlier in Mark, that when he's talking about um, you know uh, the salvation for the whole world, as you said, right. this is the Sabbath rest we have in Christ.
1: And and don't don't we don't want to push it too far, but don't miss that what does the blind man see? He sees men walking around like trees. Yeah. What did Jesus then predict for himself? Yeah. Free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we don't That's see it well, fully. we don't see it fully until after you know until after that 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 resurrection that 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 kind of encounter there's so much yeah. you know, there's so many you know, you you dare you dare not push any of the points too far but I, I don't think this is accidental you know none of this is accidental
0: No
1: to go from I, the, I don't
0: I don't think so I don't I don't yeah. think so and and the thing about the tree I mean like we're reading in Revelation right that the the tree of life appears right. and it's got twelve kinds of fruit, right? And its right. leaves are for the healing of the nations, you know. And we're talking about the tree of our Lord Jesus, the cross. So I, I think this is all pointing that way. That this is the stuff that was hidden. This is the stuff that you couldn't see. This was the shadow of the Sabbath, where we could kind of see a little bit that God was had kind of partially revealed, right, through Moses and the prophets, but was not fully revealed. Until tell Jesus, our Lord, who came not just to the 12 tribes, but to the mixed group that includes you and me and all of us today. Well, we kind of had to summarize a little bit at the end, but we did, I think, talk about it all in the end somehow, brother. Thank you Yay. so much for breaking it down with us, looking at this awesome chapter, Mark chapter 8. And uh, yeah, God bless you. May the flooding subside and your basement get under control. And uh, God bless your celebration of the ascension and Pentecost.
1: Thank you, brother. Good to be with you.
0: Likewise, everybody. That was Pastor Nathan Metter, pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in Plymouth, Wisconsin. Moving on to Mark chapter 9, Transfiguration. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.